So first and foremost, happy Mother's Day to everyone, including all the men. It's our Mother's Day too, right? We have to live through today as well as them. Did I say it the right way or what? No. It, we're, we're all celebrating Mother's Day, right? If you're young, celebrate your mom. If you're married, do it with tremendous joy and honor. So in getting started, we're, I'm going to ask the ladies to introduce themselves and let us know how long they've been married, and then uh, children and the ages of their children. So Gospel's got one microphone. Can I go? Yeah. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Gospel, Gospel Witty. Everyone says wit. It's like, nope, it's witty. Witty. <laughs> um, I am married to Luke Witty, um, and we have two kids, Joanna, who's three, and Josiah, who's one. We've been married five years. I'm Jan Herndon. I'm married to Cliff Herndon. We're coming up on 43 years. And we have two daughters, Allison, 34, and Amy, 34. And four grandchildren, one on the way. I'm Julie Vespa. I'm married to cutie right here <laughs> 36 years just on Tuesday was 36 years <laughs> um, we had three children our oldest will be 33 He's 32 right now um, our middle one who only lived for four months she would be 29 right now and our first one was Austin, second one was Alicia, and our third one is Aubrey, that is 28, that actually is here today. I'm so excited. And we have three grandsons also. Okay, so as we go through these questions, I want you to kind of think of yourself ladies, mothers, in this particular case. Um, into three categories. You say, how is that possible? Well, it's difficult, but I've tried to do that. So the first category would be what I would consider new mothers, and that would be from birth to school age, okay? And then moms with growing children would be all of school age, okay? It's from first grade to 12th. And then the third category is moms with grown children, and that would be college age through the rest of their life, okay? So let's jump right in. First question, how vital are their friendships with other women? Do you have many friends or very few close friends? And how do you decide how to be vulnerable with those friendships? Gospel? Um. You know, one of the biggest blessings, honestly, for me, and I have obviously very young children. It's a very specific season in life, I think, um, in motherhood. And it's intense just because, you know, if you've had children or if you are in it right now, it's just really intense. Every day, every second counts right now. Um, and having close friends has been honestly one of the biggest blessings that I never knew that I really needed. Um, and I would encourage, and I think it depends, you know, it could be your personality or, you know, but I think having few close friends, I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be like one or two, but, you know, having few close friends that are deep that you really can share your heart with, I think is so important. Um, sometimes, you know, having lots of friends, like, that's great. Oh, you know so many friends, and th that's really cool, but it's hard to be really deep with, like, ten people. But if you have a few close friends that you really trust, that you can really share your heart with, that's just been a huge blessing in my life personally. Just because one of the things that you, I have felt personally that I didn't expect was that I felt really lonely because this, it's so intense and you feel like, oh, I'm doing this all by myself. This is, you know, it's just me by myself and you feel lonely, you feel isolated. 
and to find friends that you know that are like there. And they might not have something that is helpful to say, or they might, but just having listening ears, um, it's been amazing. So that's really my peers, friends that are my peers. And also the second thing is having friends that are like mentors, people that are seasoned, have gone through those trials and, you know, the toddler, toddler days. I love looking to them for wisdom. Um, and the thing is, being vulnerable, we talked talk about being vulnerable, that's the first step to having trust in somebody. Like, that's how you show somebody that you trust them and for them to know that you trust them. And so being vulnerable is the key, I think, to really being close to somebody. And I try to, one of the things that I, as a Christian and as a daughter, I try to be teachable. So um, I like to be teachable even to my peers. Like, I don't think just because if I have two kids and I have friends that only have one, it doesn't mean I know any more because I have two. I listen to the moms who only have one. Um, and I, and I, even if they might have a younger kids than I do, I still listen because I know that they have something valuable. And I know that the Lord is working in their hearts. So whatever they're learning from the Lord, I want to glean from that, right? And then the mamas, I mean, gosh, guys, if the young moms here, I want to encourage you. There are so many seasoned mamas in this room. Some have had just a couple, some of them have had many, and they just have so much love and encouragement and so much life that they can give to you as, as, um, as we're in the midst of our intense seasons. So just reaching out to them and, and asking them. And I think, honestly, they feel valued. We, when we ask the mamas, like, what did you do when you were potty training your two-year-old? What did you do with an eight-year-old? What did you do with a teenager? When we ask those kinds of questions, that's what builds community. And it lets them know that, like, they have something to give to our body, and they really, really do. So I want to encourage you, reach out to the young mamas who are your peer, and also reach out to the mamas that are, that are seasoned. So. I think she wrapped it up pretty well. Um, I would just add to that when you talk about mentors. Um, even at my age, I need mentors. And it doesn't have to be someone older than me. It could be somebody who's just got that experience and that wisdom, something I want to tap into. They've lived through that, and I'm coming up on that. Or I, I'm totally foreign to that concept or that experience. So we, we just always need that. And the other thing I'm, I've learned as I've gotten older, and I'm well past that intense period, is to be intentional with friendships. I'm really... I mean, I make a little list every day of things I want to do, and sometimes it's call so-and-so, text so-and-so, touch in with, you know, touch base with so-and-so, just to see how they're doing. And um, I think that's something this church is really teaching us through community nights. So that's something I'm still learning and working on, and, and I feel like I've got the best friendships in my life now than I ever did. I mean, back in that day, it was out of necessity. How do I do this? How do I potty train? Well, you know, how do I get them to sleep? And now it's more of an enjoyable, relaxed thing. But yeah, it's important. Yeah, just same. Um, when I was a young mother, my mentors were usually older women. Um, I didn't have the close relationships. I, I, didn't, I don't remember with people my own age. I mean, I had friends, but the people I learned from were the people who I went to a Tuesday morning prayer with, meeting with every Tuesday morning at the church I went to, and they were all older than me, And but I learned from them, and so it is very important, and I really feel like I wish I would have had a church like this when I had younger kids, because I think our church, the way, you know, just the way we build community is so amazing, and that moms have that connection, and so, yeah. Okay, next question. How can women fight the battle of comparison with other women um, in their careers or body image or raising children? I'm going to start since I have the microphone. Ooh, comparison, that's a tough one. I really feel it's from the enemy, but um, I think today is even harder with social media. Um, because you can scroll and you can see what you think are moms that have it all together and they're doing everything right and their children are perfect and that is not true. So even back when I had younger kids without social media, just watching people, and I do remember a couple who I felt like 
had it all together. So he was a pastor, she was a principal, they had two kids, they had a beautiful home, they had horses, they traveled, they did this, this, this. And from the outside, I thought, man, what have I done wrong? I'm not a terrible mom, we don't do this stuff, we don't have, you know, blah, 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 and beating yourself up. Um, and you know, like a couple years after that, that whole, that whole family fell apart, which was so sad. So just because what you see on the outside is not what's going on on the inside. So that's even, again, where your relationships come in, that you know people. But um, I think just comparison, I mean, I still struggle with comparison. I mean, we all have to fight that. But God designed you the way he wants you to be. Doesn't mean you don't learn from people again. But he has a plan for you. He has a plan for your children. He knows what's best for you. And just because one's doing one thing, that doesn't matter. Um, and one scripture I had for that was 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he knows your heart, moms. He knows what you're doing as a mom. And he is there at all times to help. I would say the same thing. I don't remember it being that much of a problem when we were raising our kids. But I think today with social media, I mean, just get off of it if you have to. And TV, be very discerning about what you allow to transmit into your home. Um, just... You know, we, can, we have the off button. We just need to use it more. And I think you're right. We, we see these lives that look so perfect, and we don't know what's underneath. And we just have to. And, and surround, your pe surround yourself with people that encourage you. I mean, someone walked up to me this morning and encouraged me with a project I'm working on right now that I was kind of feeling doubts about. And she just spoke right into me. And I'm like, God, you see that? You see these details? And you sent her to tell me that today. And he'll do that for you, and he'll, he'll build you up and where you need to be built up, and he'll kind of tamp you down where you need to be tamped down, and he'll bring other people in your life to do that. But we have to get away from the artificial and the media around us. Next question. When you feel stressed or overwhelmed as a mother, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, Julie was like, just cry. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes you really got to release those emotions. Like, if you just got to cry, sometimes I just cry. <laughs> and I think it's good. I cry before the Lord. I sometimes cry at my husband. You know, just you cry. But I think we can't deny those emotions, right? So when you're stressed, you can't just, like, suppress it and, like, clean more to not be stressed anymore. It's like you got to kind of diagnose okay, what is what is the root of why you're so stressed so like you know if you feel anger or if you're stressed about something sometimes there's a issue like there's a root issue there so that's really examining your heart before the lord and that's honestly been as a mother that's been the biggest thing i've learned is like wow i really have to examine my heart before the lord and what is what is happening right now so i try to slow down the one thing that i did think about and when, when this question came up was um <clears throat> I think I heard from like a podcast or something like that. And that's when I started kind of practicing this is that, you know, when you're stressed out, a lot of times it's because there are like so many inconsistent things happening at the same time. And you're like, your world is being rocked. So you have like, it's, it's so stressful because you don't know what's going to happen next, right? It's unpredictable. And there are some things I think in raising a family or just even keeping a house that can be consistent. So an example of that would be like Mondays are a really busy day for our family because, you know, Monday normally just is. And second, we lead a prayer meetings on Monday nights. So that's sort of the day that we know is like guaranteed that day. The enemy's going to be on full force and also life is going to be life. So I remember there was a season when we were, I was, I had a newborn baby and y'all know how it is when you're the first time mom and you have a newborn baby, you're just not yourself. It's just... I don't even know who that person was back then. Um, and, you know, you still have, but the same thing, you still have to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You still have to get dressed and go to work. You know, there are so many things that still have to happen. So one of the things that I started doing that I didn't do that was driving me insane was, I, okay, Monday nights we do easy meals. Instead of, 
I would find one night I found myself, we had to be at church in like 40 minutes. And I was still making chicken in the oven. I'm like, what am I doing? We're not going to be able to finish this dinner, clean up, and go to, I mean, we, we do not have enough time. Why am I doing this? So I listened to this podcast, and what she was encouraging was like, okay, if there's some things that can be, con- like, that you have control over, try to make those things consistent. And that way, you give yourself room when things are inconsistent. You know what I mean? So if the baby's crying, if they have diarrhea or whatever, you're like, okay, well, at least food is made today. (laughs) At least dinner is ready, and we can be out the door. Um, So that's another thing. And then second thing is to give yourself grace. I mean, again, these Monday nights, we have Miss Linda. She's our dear, dear mother to us. And she comes and watches our kids for us when we go and lead prayer meetings on Monday nights. And our house is so messy. I mean, the first time she came over, I was really embarrassed. I mean, it was so messy. I'm like, gosh, if anybody knew how messy this house is. Like, but then, you know what? I got over it. I was like, it's fine. She's not judging me. I don't know, maybe, do you judge me? She doesn't. It's okay, right? So you just give yourself grace. Like, you know what? It's okay if the house is messy. It's like, it's going to be okay, and it's only for a season. So anyhow, as far as stress, I can't speak to everyone's situation. I know it can vary depending on whatever. But if there are things that you can, like you know what to expect. So maybe you're a busy day. Maybe you have a, a, you know, a huge project coming up at work, and you know that it's, you know, it's going to be stressful. You know that something is upcoming. Then you prepare yourself in areas that you know are in your control, like meals, mostly just meals, honestly. <laughs> there are a lot of things that are in your control, right? Or having laundry done, you know, you have a day, like on Saturday, make sure you do laundry on Saturday. That way, on Monday, you're not looking for that, whatever, favorite socks or favorite, you know, you, you know how it is. If your toddler is like, I want those pink socks, where are the pink socks, right? You've got to go find the pink socks. <laughs> so anyhow, sorry, I rambled. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Yeah, put the knives away when you're under stress, please. Um, How do you schedule time with your husband in a busy home? Do you have a special date night? Oh, it's me again. Okay. So that's me again. So one of the things that my husband and I like to do, we don't, it's, it's really costly, honestly, to hire babysitters and to go out and everything in, in, in the particular season that we're in right now. We went from like me and my husband working to now my husband working. And, you know, sometimes like it can be financially stressful to go out on a big date night every week or every, even every month sometimes. So what we decided to do was, um, and I know people, it depends on the family, if you have you know, a parent that works like evenings or things like that, it's hard to put your kids down early because that's the only time you get to spend with them. So, you know, it really depends on the situation. But for my family, my husband gets home at five. So we we do, um, we try to put our kids down by seven. And on those nights, what we do is we'll feed the kids their, their meal, put them down, and then my husband goes and picks up something. So that way it's like, you, you, you know, it's not as costly. And then he brings it home and then I... I actually set up a table just for us. I even sometimes light a little candle in our bedroom. Not, not that candle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can't be, but, you know, it's not always that. That was candle. a different panel. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's explain the different candles. No, 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 no. But, you know, like, I try to make it special. And I really like, I'm a really, like, um, like, uh, what, what's, what's the word, uh, personal time, what is it? Quality time, I'm a quality time person, I can't even think of quality time right now. So I like sitting across from somebody. Well, it's hard for us to sit across from each other when we got two kids between us right now, and we have a circle table. So I get a table that's just like front facing for my husband and I, and honestly, eating quietly together is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it really is, and so, that's some ways that we do. So date nights, it doesn't always have to be like, you know, you have to go see a movie and then have, go out to eat and have dessert or whatever, you know. It could be just being intentional and then eating something together. And we might even like have a little 
sweet something, you know, a little cheat something, you know. So that's one way we, we try to be intentional with each other. If, you know, sometimes we don't, we're, we're so busy, we can't go out and do everything. So even just doing that together at home. I wasn't going to say anything, but I don't remember like special things we did, but I was, at, I mean, no, I, mean, I didn't mean that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, let me rephrase that. Should I go back to my initial scripture verse? No, no. I was, most of the time I was a stay-at-home mom or either a teacher, so I was home and his business, he got home at 4.30. So we weren't late night, which was great. So he had time with the kids. We would put them to bed. But honestly, when you have little kids, your quality time with your husband is after your kids go to bed. I mean, you have quality time as a family. But, um, and we didn't have a whole lot of money. So I'm just saying we didn't do a whole lot of date nights. But, and we did not have family around for babysitters. All of our family were, were gone in other states. But we would take, we would go on conferences a lot to North Carolina, and my mom would come and keep the kids, and I think that's probably, as I thought about it more, some of our more special times together as a way. You had time away, but you were also, you know, going to a conference, so unless you can think of something else I missed. No, I'm not saying a word. <laughs> you already threw me under the bus, so. <laughs> How many of you think I got trampled by the bus? <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. What would you say to a young mother who's struggling to find time with the Lord? I remember that period when it was just a blur. And, you're, you know, your well-planned out quiet time, prayer time, Bible study time, it, it gets blown to bits by kids, babies. And I just remember those early years, a lot of my praying time was standing at the sink, washing the dish, dishes, folding laundry, driving in the car. I still pray out loud when I'm in the car by myself. You know, it's just a good, I'm a captive audience there. I can hear and, you know, I can, and I still do that. But, um, and God sees that. And, and what you are doing with those little lives, nurturing them, that's a form of worship. That's your calling at that moment. And you need to be attentive and take care of these helpless little creatures that he's given to you. And he, he sees that. And there'll be out periods later in your life when you can get back to that and devote more time to it. But if it's just in the running around and the busyness, just calling out to him, you know, sharing him when your kids get older and just talking to them openly about it. You know, one of the first things our girls learned to do when they talked was say a blessing. And they, we had two or three that they would sing around the table. And I love it now that our grandchildren are singing those same blessings when we have a meal. But that's, that's a form of worship, and the Lord smiles on that. So don't fret that, oh, I'm not reading the Bible through every year, and I'm not doing this study, and I'm not spending an hour in my closet. You know, he, he understands that, and it's totally fine. Yes. Um, this is, Actually, this question was one of those questions I was asking the Lord. I was like, Lord, I really want you to speak. Um, I want you to touch our hearts through this panel. And this one was the one that the Lord really highlighted to me. And for me personally, when I first had my baby, my first baby, I struggled with condemnation. And I was like, I'm just not, I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. And I felt really con like I wasn't doing enough. And if you ever feel like, you're in a place where you feel condemned because you're not spending enough time from the Lord, with the Lord, like that's straight from the devil. It's not from the Lord if it's condemnation. And that could be, if you're, even if you're not a mom, you could be a dad or be a working man, whatever. Like if you feel condemnation because you're not spending, you're not doing enough for the Lord and with the Lord, that's not from the Lord. Um, and there's something else there. So you need, to, you need to search your heart and ask the Lord, where is that coming from? Maybe you feel like you're an orphan. Maybe you feel like the Lord doesn't love me unless I pray for five, you know, however many minutes a day or I read so many chapters a day. Like it's not from the Lord. So you need to bring that before the Lord and ask. And that's what I had to do personally. I had to be like, okay, where is this condemnation coming from? But if you miss the Lord, that's different. I think because it's a relationship with the Lord. And sometimes my heart aches for him. Like, man, I miss the Lord. 
I miss his presence. I miss who my father. Like that is from the Lord, and he's drawing you. The father is drawing you to himself, and it's not condemnation. In which case, again, still, you might not have a ton of time. You know, at night, you're like, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock hits, and I'm, a zon- I'm like, I'm done. Honey, I'm done with the day. You can finish the dishes. I'm already in bed, right? But and my, like exactly what Jen said. I pray in the spirit. Like I just be folding laundry. I pray in the spirit. I might push my kids in the swing. I, I might pray in the spirit. And that way I still, you know, it's, it's a different season. I remember I was talking to, I think it was Mama Marie and Diane I, I spoke to when I was really struggling. And they said, it's, it's just a season. Like for us young moms. And even for others as well. Sometimes there's a season when things are just crazy. And it, your quiet time and your alone time with the Lord looks different. And I think that's okay. And, it, and as long as um, it being different, I think it's okay, right? It's okay. But if you feel condemnation, that's not from the Lord. So I want to encourage you, whatever, you know, wherever you are right now in your life, if you feel condemnation, that's not from the Lord. But if you miss the Lord... That's him drawing you to himself, and you want to draw. You want to lean in when he's drawing, right? You want to lean in when he's drawing you. So, okay, uh, mothers with older children. The question is, how does your relationship with them change as they grow up? Sorry, I was on the. I was looking at a different question there for a minute. Um, well, it definitely changes when. I mean, when when they're babies, you are teaching them and training them, telling them what to do. Um, uh, come into teenage years, you're still training them, encouraging them to do the right thing. But when they become adults, um, I totally feel like. Well, me and my daughter were talking about this last night. So um, our relationship has changed because now she's a mom. She's married. Um, and my relationship with her is now um, I'm there for her to support her. If she wants my advice, I'll give it. If she doesn't, I'm not going to push anything on her anymore. She, she's a grown woman. She has to make her own decisions. And same thing with our son. And so when they're older, then you, you can have more of that friendship. Which, so I love this stage of life right now. Not that I didn't love them growing up, but um, it's just totally different. And I'm, it's, you know, I, I just like this season that I'm in. But. Same thing. We're, we're blessed with both of our daughters being in the area, Allison here in Lakeland and Amy in Tampa. And I think we've learned, um, I think we've all been good and in intentional learning boundaries. Our children are very respectful of us. They don't just say automatically, oh, we need babysitters three nights this week. You know, they always ask well in advance, and we don't want you to, you know, cancel your plans and blah, 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 and what's easiest for you, what's convenient for you. I mean, we usually jump at it if we can, but I respect that. I mean, I appreciate that. Um, Cliff and I would never think of just dropping in unannounced at their home. We would always, if I'm in town, I might text Allison and say, hey, I'm in your side of town. Can I stop by for a few minutes? And she might say, well, I'm on the way out the door, and now's not a good time. I'm like, that's fine. But I, we wouldn't just, you know, have that respect for your older child. Um, they may discipline their children differently from the way they were disciplined. Their way of keeping house and cooking might be different from yours. Um, but, you know, we have to adapt, too. It's not the 1980s and 90s anymore. And... and you know, people do things differently. So it's, again, going back to that mentoring thing, I learned from my daughters how to do things. They're trying to keep me up to date with some things. So, um, yeah, it's a fun friendship time, and it's really a blessing to see your own children become parents. That is just one of the most fulfilling things in life. It's hard to express until that happens, but yeah. If you could rewind your life is there anything that you would change about your mindset or how you raised your kids? I could sit here all day and beat myself up and say, oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Oh, I should have done that. And looked, you know, that again, that's, that comes from the enemy. Um, but as I was thinking about it, 
of course, I, I guess I wish, and we were talking earlier, I wish I would have spent more time playing with my children. I'm a clean freak. So I was a little obsessive when my kids were small. I wanted everything in its place. And if I vacuumed, I didn't want anybody walking on it. So they were like, what are we supposed to do, Mom? I'm like, I don't know. Can you walk on the ceiling or something? I don't know. Go around. I, don't. I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. I, Can I, I was, comment? I, no. <laughs> It'll and be I, a word of affirmation. <laughs> and I'm still that way today. I'm trying to get better. But as I look back, I wish I would have not been so obsessive and and really spend more time just playing. Instead, I would be like, you go do this so I can go clean, you know? And um, not trying to take Jan's thing because she can say the same thing, but we, I think we've learned it more from our grandchildren now because now I'm like, I don't, my grandchild can come in, he can make the mess he wants. I don't care. Stuff, toys can be everywhere. That's totally fine with me. But when my kids were small, no, you pick that up, you know, don't leave that there. But so quick story with that is that um, you know, I was that way, but my kids sort of have taken that on. So when our son went to Texas, his dad went out there with him. They were, he was living in this little like cabin. And so my dad, or so Dave had to go help him buy some stuff. And so they were cleaning it up, setting everything up. And I guess Austin had been in the bathroom, cleaned it up, shook the rugs, laid them all out. And then all of a sudden Dave walks in with his shoes on and just walks on the rugs. And Austin comes behind him and says, Dad, you're stepping on the rugs. And then it, they both just looked at each other and just busted out laughing. He goes, oh, my gosh, I've turned into mom. <laughs> but he, he picked that up, which is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with being clean. But, and then when I was, we were talking to Aubrey, and so she mentioned to the, the same kind of concept. So even when we go on vacation and still. My last thing out the door, I'm vacuuming out the door so that when I come home, it's clean. So she said on Friday when they were leaving for the airport, the last thing they were doing was sweeping the floors and going out and she looked at Nathan and she says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but my mom did it and I have to do it too. <laughs> so they did pick up some good trades even though I wish I could go back and spend some more time, so. That's what I was sharing with Julie this morning, that I, I wish I had relaxed more as a mom. I just felt very busy. I had a, a wonderful career at the same time, and I had twin girls, and we had a big house, and we were real active in our church up in North Carolina, and we lived by the calendar schedule. You know, okay, piano lessons, volleyball practice, church activities, you know, missions trips, and uh, you know, just constant. We, we hosted missionaries in our home on a regular basis, and so I, I Felt like I was running a bed and breakfast on the side. I mean, I loved it. I loved all of that, but it was like boom, 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 and don't get off my schedule because you'll just mess me up. Um, but I wish now seeing, like we have Josie and, and uh, Zeke on Mondays, and we spend time on the lanai. I set up paint and put out colored pencils and crayons, and we just color and we just draw. And, you know, I don't care if they spill paint, and I don't care if, you know, they break the pencils and all of this, I don't care if they spill juice. Um, and I'm like, I wish I had done that more with Allison and Amy, you know. They would color at the kitchen table, but I'd be scurrying around the kitchen doing something else. I should have sat down more and colored with them. Um, and the little rules, like I remember packing school lunches, you know, okay, you have a sandwich, you can have a snack, you have to have a piece of fruit, you have to have something healthy, you know, no Twinkies, blah, 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 blah. Well, on lunch this past Monday, you know, Zeke and, Josie had cinnamon rolls for lunch. Came home and we had popcorn, we had pretzels, you know. I got Josie hooked on Nutella, you know. So it's like the rules are out the window. And you know, they're surviving it fine. They're surviving it fine. You know, they like coming to our house. We have all the junky food, you know. Um, so I, I just sort of wish I had relaxed a little bit more. I, I don't want to have regrets, and I, I wouldn't say that's a regret, but I'm, I look back and I'm like, oh, I should have just chilled more. On that note, actually, so I have heard this before from moms, and one of the things, another wise thing I've heard from another mom was that, so you, you know, you do, you do have to clean, and you do have to keep them healthy, so it's not like you can just let them have Nutella all the time or never clean, right? That's not what they're saying. 
So one of the things that I have learned is being intentional. So I, what I like to do is like, okay, I can't sit down and play dollhouse with Joanna all day long because I have to clean. I do have to keep a home. So what I do is I carve out like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I set the clock. I set the alarm. And in that time, I'm not on my phone. I'm not cleaning. I'm not doing nothing. I'm on the floor with my daughter for 15 or 20 minutes every single day. So that's one way. It's like, you know, you see what, so we have to learn from what our mentors are telling us, young moms, right? So let's do that. Let's take 15, 20 minutes each day, you know, and it, maybe if you have like five kids, you can't take 20 minutes per child because then you just be on the floor all day. <laughs> you know, it might be different days or whatever. You know, it just depends on your situation, but we can, you know, receive from their, you know, what they're teaching us and, and take carve out 15, 20 minutes per child. And it's, I think they'll remember those moments more than the moments that we were cleaning, you know. Oh, I remember the moments of cleaning. <laughs> it's very vivid and clear in my mind. Okay. Thank you. What has been the hardest period of womanhood or motherhood for you, and how did you deal with it? I'll start with that one. It was definitely their infancy. Um, Cliff and I were older. We were in our 30s when our daughters were born. And we had had this, we'd been married a number of years, and we had been traveling and having a fun life. We had burgeoning careers. And we knew a baby would change that, but we didn't know we were having two babies. Um, most of you know that story. We found out at birth that we had twins. And uh, it was a real moment of shock. Cliff just about fell over. I was <laughs> laying down, but he, I, I just saw him go pale. Um, so that was, of course it was life changing. Um, we had no family in state. Um, most of my you know, good women friends had babes of their own, so there was really no one around. And I, looking back, I see how God really, he would intervene directly to help me when I needed it, or he would send someone. Uh, and, and sometimes it was just a little detail, because I just was feeling like I was lost. We were floundering. Um, they were healthy and big for twins, but they both had colic. So we had stereophonic screaming, you know, like 24-7 for a few months. Um, the whole cleaning thing went out the window. I mean, we were just like eating to survive sort of thing. And I just remember periods where I would sit on the floor with the babies, they would be crying, and I would just sit and cry with them. I'd probably been in those same pajamas for three days, and I thought, I'm dreaming about the day when I can brush my teeth again. Just, you know, and, and you know, I remember, you know, a year before I was dressing up in nice suits and going to work and having business lunches, and now I'm like, I'm in poop all day, it's just, and it just felt overwhelming. And then I would be racked with the guilt. I'm like, I have two beautiful baby girls, and I'm sounding like I'm ungrateful. This is horrible. Like, what's wrong with me? You know, and I would beat myself up over that, so I felt even worse, and then I'd cry about that. Um, and during this time, one of those busy days, we had a three-story house, and I was running around. I'd been in the car with them, and I looked down one day, and my... Um, diamond engagement ring was missing. It had fallen off my finger. I had no idea where it was. We lived out in the woods. It could have been anywhere. I'd been in the car. I'd been to the doctor's office with them. I'd been up and down all over this house. And I, I just, I went and retraced all my steps. I shook out drawers and it was gone. And I, I was just devastated. I thought, well, I'll never get one of those again, you know, and that's just another piece of me that's failed here. Um, called my mom in tears, and she was a very wise, godly woman. She prayed me through it, and she says, you need to release that ring. It's a piece of metal and rock. You've got treasure now that's way more important than that ring. And I did, and I felt good about it. And Cliff came home that night. I shared the story with him, and, you know, he was sad about it, but like, okay, well, you know, 20, 30 years, we'll get another ring. No, no big deal. <laughs> you know, after college, it's paid for. And I opened up a drawer in their bedroom that I had opened up three or four times that day and the ring was sitting there on top of the little sleepers. God gave that back to me. I know that was a miracle because we, we had been in and out of that drawer three or four times and there it was. It was like he could have gift wrapped it. 
um, so I knew God was saying, I see you, and this matters to me, and, you know, I'm giving it back to you. The second example, when he worked through other people, um, during this same chaotic period where, where there's a lot of crying, a lot of exhaustion, a lot of disorder and chaos, my dearest oldest friend from high school called one day, not to ask us, but to tell us. She goes, I'm flying down to North Carolina for a week. I'm taking a week off work, and I'm going to take charge. Now, Debbie could not have children herself, but she flew down. She fed those babies through the night. She made me take naps. She cleaned my house. She did my laundry. She scrubbed my floor. She cooked our dinners. She cuddled those babies. And she just gave my life back to me. And then she went back to Ohio and went on with her busy life. She was one of the most selfless people I knew. Um, but I'm convinced, like, God sent her to us at that point. You know, and, and I never saw Debbie with babies before. She was the youngest in her family. She couldn't have her own children, but he enabled her. She knew just what to do to calm them down, to calm me down. And that just jump-started us where Cliff and I both like, oh, yeah, we can do this. We can get through this. I mean, God will just put people in your life. Don't say no to help. Don't feel, be ashamed to ask for help because he has people that are placed there ready to help you, and maybe they're hesitant, but... Let, let people know what the need is, and they'll step into it. What has been the highlight of parenting for you as a mother? Um, just, I mean, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the most insignificant moments, honestly, sometimes that have been the most blessing to me. I remember one particular moment. We were, it was uh, Saturday morning, we were going to go strawberry picking, which by the way, if you live in this area, if you have littles, and even if you have older children, I mean, strawberry season and blueberry season, you have got to get out there with your kids. I think it's one of the wonder, most wonderful blessings we have living in this area. So anyhow, well, on Saturday morning, we were driving, and my daughter right now is really into Winnie the Pooh. She's like, Winnie the Pooh, she's singing Winnie the Pooh. Um, it's like not a super spiritual moment. We're not like praying together in the car. She's singing Winnie the Pooh, and I'm just, you know, we were just driving that morning. I was praying, and, my, and I look back at her, and I look at her, and I just feel the presence of the Lord just like whew, in the van that we were in. And I just knew the Father was like so pleased with us because we were just, we were a family, and we, and we just were enjoying ourselves, and the Father was pleased Right? So it wasn't like, you know, we were like praying for revival or, do, you know, it was nothing spiritual the way that we understand it, you know, in the culture that we're in. It was just we were a family that we were, we were just grateful and we were on our way to go pick strawberries. And those moments, um, it, it's, it's honestly one of, the most, one of the most wonderful memories I have so far in the three years that I've been a mom. Um, just the presence of the Lord when it just kind of settles in you know, in the room. So, yeah, that's just one moment. Um, yeah, looking back from when they were small, I think mine were the same way as just the remembering, you know, they were raised in church and just seeing those little things that God was doing in their little hearts. And I remember Austin used to see visions at the table and um, I used to drag Aubrey to the prayer, Tuesday morning prayer meeting with me. And one time we were talking about fasting. I, was, I thought about this morning. And uh, we get in the car afterwards, and we're going out to lunch with some of the ladies, and we we're talking about the fast. And she pipes up. She goes, Mommy, I'm going to fast. I said, Oh, really? That's awesome. Mom. She goes, I'm going to fast naps. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I was like, Whatever. You're learning the cause of a fast. Okay, we'll, we'll try to fast something else, not naps. But, yeah, but. but, but she, she was learning, whether we knew it or not, she's just sitting in that atmosphere. But now that my children are older, the highlight of it is seeing them as parents. Start crying now. <laughs> seeing them mature and grow and have a family and raising their children in the fear of the Lord. And just seeing them with their children and loving their children, disciplining their children, but giving all. I just, that's the greatest joy to me right now. What adjustments 
did you have to make from working outside of the home and moving into the home to raise your children? Um, so when I first had Joanna, I worked from home. And I worked part-time. I wasn't doing full-time, but uh, it was really hard. And I, d I pushed through it. Like, at, th at that time, I don't know, it, maybe it was part of it was my ambition. I wanted to be, I wanted to give it a try, right? I wanted to be, like, a working mom, but also raising kids. I wanted to feel like a super mom. So I did it, and I was pretty miserable for me. I mean, I know some moms are able to, and, and some have to. You don't have an option. Maybe you're a single mom or, you know, you need the income. And I, you know, that's a complete, and the Lord, I think, helps us and walks us through those seasons. For me, I just, I think there was a part of me, I had to confess to Luke even, I was like, I, I grew up really poor um, as a pastor's kid and a missionary kid. And when I started working, I felt very independent and I felt like empowered as a person. Like I can provide for myself and I make good money and I'm educated and I felt really good about those things. And so um, when I gave up my job and I was a full-time mom, I felt like, wow, who am I? These what Jen talked about. Like, I liked being able to dress up in cool business clothes and wear my heels, and I liked it. And I, and it's not that there's something wrong with that, but if that's like your identity, like what I had to do before the Lord was I had to uh, one of those things. I had to sit before the Lord and say, Lord, where is this from? Why am I? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel worthless? Why do I feel like I'm not? Like, what is my, I hated not being able to um, be part of the breadwinner in the family. And I didn't know I felt that way until I gave up my job and I wasn't bringing any income into the family. Um, I had to work that out before the Lord. And it was a hard season for me. Um, just like, you don't realize sometimes what it is that you feel until like, you, you don't have a job anymore. And you're like, oh, that's how I feel about that job, <laughs> right? Um, so it's a season of learning. It was a season of learning for me. And I think it is for, I think, all throughout motherhood, parenthood, and any other situation that you're in. The Lord always uses wherever you're, whatever situation and season you're in to teach you and to grow you and mature you. And for me specifically in that season was being able to trust my husband to provide for us and being okay with what the, if the Lord is providing us with X amount of, that's, that's what he has for us and we can live okay right? Being thankful and grateful for what we have in the season that we're in. And then being able to accept myself and being like, you know what? The, what the Lord is doing. And again, Diane and Marie, th those two have been like my mentors throughout this motherhood. I would call them and be like, I feel this way or that way. And you know, I'm always be crying. I just cry most of my motherhood. <laughs> be like, the Lord sees that right? The Lord sees that. You're doing something. You're building, you know, and we have the kind of body that encourages us through these seasons, right? You guys, right? Um, and so the earlier when I told you about that moment, when I, when I turned back at my daughter and I felt the presence of the Lord as she was singing Winnie the Pooh, that was, that was really special for me for that reason. It's because I didn't know if I was doing enough. Like, am I even doing enough? I'm not, I'm not working. I'm just at home. But anyone who's ever been a full-time mom at home knows, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> you know. It's intense. And it's, it's as important, it's as intense as any job anyone could ever have. And so if you're in a full-time mom, or if you're a part-time mom and you're working, like, around the clock, the Lord sees that. And, and I think just it's about being before the Lord and just coming before the Lord and, and searching your heart and asking him to search your heart through that season. I've, I've grown. I've grown in the last three years more than I have ever before. before. And, and I have grown closer to the Father than I, and than I did before through, the, through this season of intensity, but like just such beautiful, beautiful presence, presence. I had a little different experience. My, like I had said earlier, I had been working in my career for a number of years by the time we had children. And I was just very, very blessed. I fell into this, but by the time the girls were born, I was a valued part of the company. It was a small company. And my boss, who was an old bachelor himself, he didn't want to lose me. And he said, Herndon, he said, what do I have to do to keep you here? And I said, well, I'm going to need some time off to think about this. And, I'm, and of course, I took a number of months off. And then it just started out, he'd say, he'd call me up. We, we called each other by our 
last names. It wasn't disrespectful. We just did that. He said, Hernan, can you come in next Friday for about three hours? We got so-and-so here from Congo or whatever, and uh, I need you to blah, blah, blah. And I would get a babysitter, and I would go to the office for three hours. But I got to put on pantyhose. Remember those pantyhose? Cursing things. <laughs> and put on makeup. And I got to go and talk to adults for three hours about something that I knew something about. And then I'd go home, and I'd be in mom mode again. And this is back in the 80s. And my boss was so forward thinking, he said, Hernan, I'm going to get you a computer and a fax machine, remember those, and a modem, and we're going to set you up at home. Because most of our, I was in international business, so a lot of our uh, business, our customers were, you know, 12 hours, eight hours ahead of us. So when the girls would go down for the night, I would get on the computer or I would start working on proposals or whatever I was working on. And I just had this wonderful balance of that. And I could do a lot of that from home. And this is before people worked from home. Um, I would have, I set down the boundaries. I needed to make a couple overseas trips. I said no more than two trips a year and no more than this many days. We would plan it in advance and one of the grandmas would come in and take charge for the week and that was special memory time for our daughters with their grandmas. And then mommy would go off to Morocco or China or wherever the deal was going on and I'd come home and I would be revitalized and totally ready to jump back into mom mode. I know that doesn't relate to everybody and I know I'm kind of weird that way, but it, it really, God saw what I needed and he just gave me these little bits of it. Um, if you can go part-time, I never worked full-time again once the girls were born. It was always less than full-time. And, um, but I think if you prove yourself as a valuable part of the company or if you're of value to your employer, they'll be willing to work with you and maybe work out something that you can at least try to do part-time or flexible time. Uh, and then start, just ask God to give you creativity. Like, what are you good at? What have you used in the marketplace that you could translate into your own business or your own sort of ad hoc kind of activity? And because my background was in languages, I started tutoring businessmen um, you know, from some of the bigger banks in Charlotte that wanted to learn business French or they wanted to learn how to have a conversation in Spanish. And I would tutor them one-on-one. -on -one. That, that was good money because they were willing to pay. And they would come anywhere. They would come to my home, you know, for that even. Um, I started doing ad hoc or just my own translations. And I remember one time Cliff and I were asked to come along on a missions trip to Moldova with our church. And the cost of the trip was pretty expensive. So we're thinking, oh, we're really going to have to say no to this. I got a translation job for a technical manual from a company in Mexico. And that totally paid for our trip down to the penny. And I know God sent me that work. And then your name gets out there and people are calling you to do translation and interpreting for them. And I loved it. I was in my element. And I could, would get the babysitter for one hour, go do this job, come back. But I kept my hand in it that way. And that was just fulfilling to me. And I felt like, OK, I'm contributing a little bit to the, you know, the family till that way. But just, you know, pray to him, like, what am I good at? What do I love doing? Is there a way I can do that on my own or offer it to people? I mean, you might be good at cooking or cleaning or organizing or sewing or, you know, child care yourself. Offer that to people. People will pay for that. So. Okay, two more questions. Uh, when you became a mom yourself, how did you navigate the changing dynamic between you and your own mom? was one of the questions um, that was really hard for me. It's one of those things where you like don't know what's coming and then it happens and you're like, whoa, what's happening over here? So when I first had my baby, my mom who lives in Cambodia, she's a missionary there, she came and stayed with us for about a month, maybe a little over that, to help me with the baby at when Joanna was first born. And she came and it was wonderful because then she, I could take a shower or you know whatever, eat and all the things because my mom could help watch the baby. But then, like, I had some insecurities, again, that I didn't know. So when she came, and then I felt like, well, like, I felt like um, she was the mom. And I was just like, there, there was a dynamic. It was like she was helping, but then it felt like she was the mom, and maybe I wasn't, because I was insecure. 
It came from a root of insecurity, right? So there are always root issues here, guys, <laughs> if you're struggling. Um, and my mom um, had to learn for her to, the way she spoke to me, she had to learn, like she couldn't patronize me because then I would feel more insecure about my own motherhood. And so she had to watch her boundaries. And I love what Jan said about that, about watching those boundaries as mothers to now young mothers is that with the way you speak to them, if you patronize them, it's going to make them feel more insecure about their motherhood and they will reject you most likely, right? And then what I had to find out about myself was that I needed to have a more teachable heart. It's that my mom is not trying to be the mother of my infant child, right? Right? It's kind of hard sometimes because you do it. the hormones are a little intense when you first have a baby, so I was a little all over the place. But, but I had to be teachable and say, you know what? My mom loves me. And she's just trying to help me. And so I had to have a teachable heart. But it was what I'm trying to get at is that it's, it was a learning curve. And there, were, they, there needed to be a lot of grace on both sides. And I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, second time around, she wasn't able to be here because of COVID and things like that. But in our relationship now, like we've learned in the last three years, how to speak to each other with respect and to have an open heart. So that's, that's the dynamic that's kind of changed between my mom and I, especially when it came to, like, early, early um, infant baby, when the baby's first born. So that's something that we have. Okay, and then the last question. What are some traditions or habits that you have that you pass on to your children? So when I was thinking about this... Um, I started thinking about the traditions with, from my mom, with my mom, who is not here anymore. But um, our tradition was always we watched the movie Holiday Inn. And I know that will date people some back. Some people don't even know what that is. And we watched it on a little black and white TV that was all fuzzy. The movie is black and white. It's, um, but that was our tradition. That was me and my mom's tradition. We watched it every Christmas from the time I can remember. And then once I started having children, of course, we would be there at Christmas, so we'd watch it with them. And it was funny, my son really liked it. My daughter, eh, she was okay with it for a while. Um, although we found an old video one time of her dancing to it, so I was like, she liked it after all. She was just saying she did it. <laughs> Um, but as they've grown up, they've actually done that with their family. And the crazy thing is when my son married his wife, that was her tradition with her mom. The same movie, which was so crazy, but they, we watch it every year, and that is one of our favorite things. And now I'm looking at grandkids, and of course, Anderson, I don't have as much with him yet because he's only almost a year, not a year old yet, but Jude and Zion, the older ones, our little traditions every time we're together is a movie, popcorn, and apple. And we started that from, I don't know, as little as they could be, what they could eat popcorn and apple. And as soon as I get to their house, they're like, Mia, when are we going to have popcorn or movie and apple night? And it's usually Home Alone. We usually watch Home Alone no matter what time of the year it is. So, again, Christmas movies. We love Christmas movies. So those are some of my favorite ones. This is so funny, but when Julie and I were talking a few years ago and she brought up about the movie, my mom and I used to watch White Christmas, which is really better than Holiday Inn. <laughs> you know? But it's in color. Um, but that was something I remember my mom and I doing, again, on the little black and white square TV. And while we were baking cookies together or probably wrapping gifts together, I did a lot of gift wrapping in the family. I was the oldest kid of five, so I was always helping mom. But that's something Allison and I do now every year is watch that together. Amy's not into movies as much, but... Um, I hope we're setting up some traditions like when Zeke comes over on Monday mornings. I mean, we have a routine of we walk to the gazebo, we walk the dog, we have to watch this movie, we have to have the popcorn. Um, so, I mean, they're little insignificant things, but it's what your kids remember. Um, a lot of it does revolve around holidays. There are certain things that I have to make every Christmas and Easter because my mom made them and she had to make them because her mother made them. And Allison and Amy are doing some of that, you know, but starting their own traditions with their children, which I think is really neat. Amy, like, uh, I wish I had done this. I think it's brilliant. She collects books about Christmas, and she wraps them up every year. 
and her children, like the 24 days leading up to Christmas, get to open a book every night, and that's what they read before they go to bed. Now, it's the same books. They rewrap every year. But, you know, and some of them are the Bible story, and then the Grinch is in there. And I just love that. Um, and that's something that I wish I had done with our kids, and she'll no doubt hand it down to her children. I um, didn't really have a lot of traditions, my, my parents, um, that I remember, but what we started doing with our family was um, Joanna and I like to have our tea parties. So we have a little, you know, something, a little snack. It might be goldfish or it might be a little biscuit or, you know, whatever. And then we pour some warm barley tea or something like that. And we like to pour it. You have to have a little cup. So that's what she loves to do with me, having tea party with mommy. So we do that probably, I don't know, as often as she as we can, which is a lot. <laughs> um, um, and I hope that one day that she'll be able to do that with her, with her daughter and son. Um, my husband, he and the kids make pancakes every Sunday morning. So they make pancakes every Sunday morning. So that's just, you know, a, a, th a small thing, but I think they'll remember it. And it's, you know, it's those kinds of little things that are insignificant, but have such meaning to our children. So, yeah. Well, did you enjoy that? I was thinking about the scripture, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And I was thinking about it in the context of motherhood, and it's a, it's a command, it's an instruction from God. It's not, it's not a suggestion, it's not an option, it's a command. And I know that when there's little ones in the house and running and all that goes involved, as you've heard this morning, that's involved with it, it's difficult um, to be on your A game in teaching your children. But I just want to encourage all mothers and uh, those that are not married yet when you have children to take this command seriously from the Lord. That it is your job to teach your children in the ways of God. And um, I just want to close by praying for all of the mothers. But I also want to include all of the ladies as well. I know that there's ladies in here who, who cannot have children. I know there's ladies in here even that are not married. But... I trust that today was a blessing to each of you, ladies, and that you heard something that you'll keep in your heart, or maybe you're going to go home and apply it this afternoon, like we're going on a date night tonight. <laughs> but you never know. Always, like Gospel said, always be teachable. Always be teachable. I always want to have the posture where I can learn from somebody else to help me get through or to pass it on to somebody else. Always be teachable. People who think they know it all, you'll see them struggle to prove to themselves that they know it all. They're not proving it to anybody else. They're trying to prove it to themselves. To me, the easy way is to always be teachable. Learn from peers. Learn from your friends. Learn from someone standing in the grocery store. Even if it's learned not to do it that way. Learn. And learn the ways of God and teach your children the ways of God. So I want to ask every lady in the room, mom or no mom, you've given birth or you haven't, I want you to stand for closing prayer. Let's pray. Father, today is Mother's Day. I know I kidded about it. It's all of our Mother's Day. But I believe that it's a day in which we honor 
the women in our life who gave so much, taught us so much. So today we honor them. We honor the new mothers that are in the middle of it, so to say. And for those days and those times of struggle, God, I pray that you would help them and strengthen them. I pray for moms with teenagers and kids in school and uh, running around and all the busy schedules and peer influence and all of those things. I pray that you would give our mothers wisdom and insight. Give them discernment. To actually know and see into what's going on and counter the attacks of the enemy. Be able to see, see them and identify them before they actually manifest. Let them be in the driver's seat, so to say, and grab a hold of the steering wheel and steer their children where you would want their children to go. And I pray for... The moms that kids are grown and having their own life and yet there is a role that each mother has to play with, with their children even being grown and giving advice and being there and offering to help out and all of those things. God, I pray for our single moms who have it so difficult Sometimes we don't understand why dad isn't there. Holy Spirit, I ask you to be there with them and comfort them and encourage them, strengthen them. I pray for our singles, regardless of how old they are. God, I've told many, many singles, save yourself for your husband. Keep yourself. Be reserved. Love the Lord during this time frame. God, I pray that they heard something today that would encourage them in the future. That would help them through a dilemma. A struggle that they may face. Maybe in 10 years from now. I don't know. But I just pray and I just bless every lady in our congregation. They're your daughters. And I pray that as their father, that you would bless your daughters today. We honor them. We love them. We support them. And we thank you for them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.